Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Self Deaf Sundays, the podcast. Do 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 do. really clear that some of the learnings from this book has really helped bring so it gives you like a high level summary of everything that this guy had figured out the power of the subconscious mind and suggestions so excited to have another guest with me today who is Mukum. yay yeah, welcome yeah, Mukum. Yeah. thank you very much Glad yes yes yeah definitely so i met Mukum like I think we can go throw it way back can't we like I actually met you back when we were in year seven or eight and back in those days if you know like we had this thing called sea walk like crypt walk or whatever I had to bring it out man (laughs) and like so many good memories but basically I used to dance with um my friends here and then we there was just like like like-minded people in that field just kind of knew each other right and then Mukum was in Bainstoke, but because obviously we're from like the Bali community, like we just knew of each other and that's how I initially knew you. But then um, when we grew up, like you went to Portsmouth, my best friend Perry and, and Shaquille, I went to Portsmouth as well. It just happened that you were there and we went out on a couple night outs and stuff. But I, I haven't actually like had a sat, sat down and spoken to you, but um, you know, we've always kind of followed each, each other, like support each other. And Mukum also has always like, we spoke about it before I started recording, but he's kind of seen this after Sunday's journey as well, kind of seeing how far it's come. Um, and when I was thinking about having guests on board, like um, I couldn't think of a better person for you to to have. And that's the reason you're here. So thank you so much once again for kind of, you know, putting your hand up. And for people that don't know you, Mukum, do you m- maybe you want to start off with your name, age and occupation? Um, sure. Well, first of all, yeah, thanks, thanks again for inviting um, and taking me to that wonderful memory lane. <laughs> Good <laughs> yeah, time. Those were some fun days, um, sea walking. Yeah, I remember like every time I met with my friends, uh, it was almost a ritual where we had to film one sea walk video. Like that yeah. was just what we did back then. Um, and so, yeah, it was really fun. I think we should bring it back, actually. Yeah, we um, had we had a chat about this challenge, didn't we? Because yeah, yeah, it was such a like a two thousand and I don't know six seven yeah, days. <laughs> yeah, too long ago. Anyway, so my name is Mukum. Obviously, um, I'm twenty seven, and I graduated from Portsmouth University. I did business information systems. I've always um, loved technology, loved computers especially games yeah <laughs> so and i've already i, I was always um luckily um quite good good at that um mm. those sides mm-hmm. so even during college like that's where i did better at um compared to my other subjects so it was quite natural for me to choose something which was technology related mm. but at the time i felt uh i needed like some aspects of business in there mm-hmm. just for like um career prospects etc so so i thought business information systems was just really good for me because it was a mixture of both business and um technology mm-hmm. um so currently i work for bupa as a software engineer uh, i've been here for five i think five years now mm. um yeah five yeah five years i initially joined a graduate scheme in London, um, which I told you about earlier, FDM Mm -hmm. Group. 
um, they basically trained me up, um, gave me the skills, and then I joined Bupa as a consultant for FDM Group. And then Bupa, at the end of the, the contract between Bupa and FDM Group, Bupa decided to keep me on as a permanent employee. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, so I'm currently uh, a permanent software engineer at Bupa. And yeah, that's what you do. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> that's what you do, yeah. And I think it's so interesting because obviously I come from a similar background, so I know exactly what you mean, like in terms of going on the grad scheme, like working, I guess, in like a technology kind of company and doing a similar role because my role is similar as well. So I completely like get your kind of professional world. Um, but I guess like to kind of get to know you a bit better and for people to understand you a bit more as well. Like, I feel like there's a lot, of, like, um, like I mentioned earlier on, like, I feel like you've got a very like creative side to you you like taking pictures and like traveling quite a lot um but I actually want to understand you know like what really like drives you as a person like what would you say your key motivation is in everything that you do in your life uh uh gosh that's uh yeah that's a really tough question um I guess I I have I would say my main driver is is a curiosity for life like i i've always been very curious about everything so um i guess that pushes me to learn about things um meet new people etc although i am very introverted like i'm super introverted but there will be times where it suddenly subsides those those barriers just subside and especially if i'm traveling or i mean you know i mean new place like there's just something there just that just pushes me to learn about other people and mm. i think that all comes comes from this curiosity mm. um but yeah so i do love um photography as well uh, just capturing moments mm. um and traveling uh i think the second thing also is is uh problem solving that's another yeah. thing that that is very related to my professional life as well as my personal life i think there's just this sense of like gratification I feel from being able to um, solve difficult problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so when when I'm at work, for example, it's all focused around that. Like, say we have we have an we have a gap where we can improve certain things or certain experience for the users. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? Mm. So so coming up with those solutions designing them and actually building building them actually gives me a lot of like joy um mm. so so which is why i've been able to do or i've been you know i'm still where i am for for about five years now because because it is so fun that you know i'm not really bored mm. even though yeah for some people five five years might be a long time but for me like every day i feel like there's something new yeah i'm always learning which is why it's always fun i'm always on on top of my toes i guess Mm, definitely Um, uh, with regard to like who i am i think that's that's also a very difficult question for me to answer actually because that again can change depending on who i am around with Mm. so so like simple case i am someone's son or, or someone's friend or you know someone's brother so depending on you know who are, who who is around me mm. my kind of responsibilities kind of change and my my personality kind of shift as well mm-hmm. so 
it's it'll also never be the same as what other people will think of me mm. like what i think about myself will never be exactly what other people might think of me right so mm-hmm. so I, i find that really difficult question to answer like who who i am i guess is yeah, what i'm I trying think, to get at i mean yeah definitely and i think i could totally relate to that as well because you can use a lot of words to kind of describe who you are and you know what motivates you but then like you said the the i differs according to the situation or the person right so if i'm with my nan or my mom or my you know dad like i might behave a certain way mm-hmm. whereas i'm if i'm with my customers in my company i might do, um look at it in a different way right so it's like what does that mean like what who is that i right and i think i don't like once again like we'll try not to get too deep but like i'm actually reading um the power of now at the moment by eckhart tolle i don't know if you've heard of that book mm-hmm. no, which no. which is all around it's kind of like a spiritual question around who is this i right like you can say no. i am you know a daughter or i am a computer science graduate but all of that thing is what he says is like part of the form world which is the physical world and where we attach our identities according to what we do or what we have accomplished but then he says that the true being of who the i is is like your consciousness and it's like you don't it's literally um finishing the sentence in i am as opposed to trying to complete it in a different way so i think going back to what you said around it's hard to actually answer who i is is because you adapt right you adapt according to the situation and and who you are but i think my kind of question to you is is like when you are put in these situations like how, how do you um you know decide how to act or how do you know like okay in this scenario this is what i'm going to do if that makes sense like is there something that is common no matter who you're with so i guess you would have to have some grounding mm. um characteristics right that mm-hmm. kind of drives your um personality even if there will be certain differences in in how you, how they manifest but i guess um i would like to see myself as someone who you know who who has a lot of empathy i would say um who always wants to see from like that other person's um shoes mm-hmm. um so i think i don't know if that's something that would you know resonate with other people other people's version of identity of me but mm-hmm. i think that's definitely something uh that i i see myself as someone who is always thinking about what other people is thinking mm-hmm. or what other people might be feeling um mm-hmm. so yeah 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 i think that's that like you said that's that grounding characteristic that will be the same right whether you talk to your that mm-hmm. you know dad or whether talk to your friend is like how can you lead with empathy and and mm-hmm. kind of see it from their point of view and i think like you know you mentioned earlier on that you're a curious individual you always want to when you travel like that's when the curiosity kind of gets heightened and mm-hmm. you kind of let the introverted side kind of not like hold you in anymore right but i think you as an in- introvert like how would you say like that experience has been and also you know people have a certain perception of introverts right they think that oh they don't talk and that is it but i think um a lot of the introverts are mis um, understood because maybe because they don't speak like extroverts and you have a certain perception but i think the introverts that i have met anyway in my life in my friend circle my family they're the ones that think a lot and 
And I do feel like they're the ones that are misunderstood because they don't speak much, right? But from your point of view, as an introvert, right? Like how, is that something that has happened to you as well? And also like for people listening, like, you know, what has your life been as an introvert? I have to be careful. Obviously, not all intro- introverts will be the same, so I can't represent for all the introverts. No, no, no. That's quite a big, big responsibility yeah. to have yeah. on your <laughs> <laughs> uh, Again, even that, I think we all fall into that spectrum anyway, so we're not fully introverted or fully extroverted. Mm. I think generally, in, in most scenarios, I can say that I fall more towards like the in- introverted side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... That has been, uh, although that has always been there, it is sort of shifting over the years, I can say that. I think it's also to do with uh, mindfulness, which Mm. is, you know, just being or paying attention to your feelings in the here and now. Mm. Um, So whenever I'm around or whenever I'm in in a uncomfortable situation or you know there might be someone standing there who who I really need to speak to but I don't really want to mm-hmm. so in that in such situation if you just like notice why you're feeling the discomfort you know and just be aware of it I think that can kind of um, help you get over it mm-hmm. it sounds so strange but it actually helps me a lot because oftentimes I feel like we associate who we are with our feelings mm. like, and, and with our thoughts. And mm-hmm. we forget that these are just thoughts, right? They, they, not, you know, they don't have to be you. And so as soon as you like disassociate yourself from the, your thoughts, immediately you're able to like overcome it. And, and that has helped me a, a lot in a lot of like situations where I wouldn't like maybe 10 years ago even dare to go be around. Um, and oftentimes, actually, people have mistaken me for not being introverted. Really? Um, yeah, and I guess, I, I guess, yeah, that's again that comes down to like just keep practicing it because mm. I it's very difficult to get rid of those, um, uh, you know, those barriers altogether. Mm. It's just how well you can cope. Um, or how well you can basically control control it, you know. Um, mm. um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the the biggest um, downside I would say is the feeling of like what what you know what have I missed by not interacting more often with with more people mm. because because I feel like. Um, you know, if you if you are someone who does speak with a lot of people mm. everywhere, it can actually uh, be quite healthy for your for yourself and for your mind as well. Mm. Uh, because even like they have done studies where, if you are out in the public, let's say if you're waiting for a bus and there's someone else, a stranger, um, if whether depending on whether you spoke to that stranger or not can determine how how your experience was whilst you were waiting like while you were doing the waiting mm. um, and often it's often the case that those who do interact you know in, in such scenario with that stranger they they tend to have a more positive experience um mm. 
things like that you do you are kind of deprived of but but i guess it's something that you can obviously work on and it is something that i do feel like i'm actively working on yeah um, definitely but then this corona happened so <laughs> yeah it's like i'm trying man i'm trying yeah, no because <laughs> i feel like 2020 was definitely that year that For you know I, I i was like promising myself that this year i'm gonna be just all out like mm. no inhibitions like get rid of all of that mm. go out but um yeah it is what it is covid came and cock blocked that yeah, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> right and i think right. like what you said in the beginning you said that you're actually kind of shifting from into being introverted to maybe putting yourself out there and i think that's a very kind of important premise in self-development and you know mm-hmm. developing is all around putting yourself out there and doing things you wouldn't do um and also i loved what you said around paying attention to your feelings and being aware of your thoughts um because the book that i'm reading says exactly that because you are you know you define yourself so much linked to your thoughts but in reality um you you you're kind of trapped by your mind and and you think that you know when you're getting angry that is it but then actually it's recognizing mm-hmm. that that's just an emotion and the people that are the most aware kind of take themselves outside of that situation and what mm-hmm. um what Eckhart calls it is like be the watcher so rather than saying i'm angry and being consumed by that situation what what you did is like kind of taking a step back and said i'm just watching the thinker so that the, he uses this term around the watcher and the thinker because so often i think 90 percent of the time human beings uh, perform in autopilot uh, thinking mode and you know our thoughts are running throughout all day you know emotions thoughts and then the power of the enlightened ones or the conscience ones are actually becoming the watcher so saying rather than saying i'm angry it's actually saying i'm feeling anger at the moment and i think you said that you know thinking and being aware of your emotion has actually helped you come to terms with how you feel and and not let that define you in a way right and like you said this was the reason why you have decided to push push yourself out there or do something you wouldn't and and i love the example that you used about in a bus stop situation right you can either carry on and and mind your own business but if you just say hi to them or speak up and you could end up learning something about that person or the world just by speaking up right so i think it's an interesting way how you said about it's all around as an introvert it's things that you missed out on because introverts like their own company that's how you define an introvert right? right they don't speak a lot but at the same time because you're so closed off like are you actually learning more about the world and, and being open up but you did say you know you're trying but I, I do think that you can't force these things like people are you can learn new skills but i i wouldn't kind of force yourself to be like oh my god i'm gonna go out and talk to everyone tomorrow if that doesn't feel natural to you right so i think it is all part of your spiritual evolution as well exactly and also uh great points i just like to add sometimes your intuition of what will happen kind of can be wrong mm. so even those who you know who did talk to that stranger on mm. that bus if you were to ask that person beforehand like w- do you think you will enjoy the experience like do you think you want to do that most often they would probably say no mm. but it's only like in the aftermath like you realize actually that was a, that went a lot better than i expected and mm. often like where uh the part of the brain where we form our desires and the part of the brain which um 
um, gets that gratification can be like separate mm. and they, they don't often um, work together. So oftentimes what, what your in, intuitions are can be wrong, you know? Mm. So, um, so yeah. So even though I, I do actually enjoy the company of myself, I know that, um, it, you know, I can or have the capacity to, to enjoy the company of others as well, which I actually do. I, I sound like I'm this totally close. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I think connections, in fact, is something which I probably value the most, like connection between two people. Um, mm. Because, and that is why actually I, I, I enjoy traveling so much because um, when I'm traveling, so we touched on this earlier as well. Um, mm. I think I I felt this most starkly when I was uh, in Hanoi. Um, and in Hanoi, I was traveling on my own. And that's where I, I you know, I was introduced to this concept of doing tours for, for um, the tourists. Mm. So like a weekend we can meet up where the locals would meet meet up with the you know the tourists who are visiting the city and they would just like give free tours around around the city mm. and um doing that they they would obviously expose themselves to people from all over the world and they would like go for dinners and they would like you know exchange their stories etc and it, it just the idea was so fun and mm. um I really, really enjoy that experience so 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 much that I I myself kind of feel I'm kind of deprived of that as well because I live in Beijing, where where you don't have the opportunity to do that, mm. um, and it has almost you know given me that extra drive to one day you know move move to a city similar to Hanoi you know where yeah. I could. Really participate or you know organize things like that um yeah i love that yeah, yeah yeah i think connections definitely um and just yeah sharing exchanging stories um i think it's part of like being understood um yeah yeah i think you've, you've kind of answered my first question here actually because you know we talked about you know what drives you and what motivates you and i think in the beginning you were a bit like ah i don't know how to kind of do yeah. that you know but i think as we've spoken the answer was within you right and i think it's really interesting that you raised the connection connections aspect because even from like cavemen hunter gatherer days homo sapiens desire to be in a tribe they desire to build that connection and i think there was a study that done which actually said that connections and and being able to feel like when you're talking to someone you are you know you're truly understanding them and also what you said around being empathetic that actually leads to happiness quite a lot because there's that trust between two individuals or, you know, two different person. And I think when you build that trust, it, it, it does go down to, you are kind of letting your guard down, you're talking to someone and, you know, having that good conversation also puts you in a good mood because it's like, oh, like, you know, it's a completely different stranger where you've managed to build that, um, hopefully uh, a mutual kind of trust and you're, you're willing to be open and, and vulnerable. And I think what you saw in Hanoi, um, especially seeing people from a completely different world and culture like you you live in a like you know you work in a technology company here in London and then you go to Hanoi and it's so different it's as different as it can get but the underlying like human connection still there right 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, like you mentioned, being open, being vulnerable. I think that's a big part of uh, you know forming connections because it, it's strange that it's strange, but it's often when you're vulnerable with someone that's when you know that bond can become really Stressing. strong. Yeah, both, both of you feel that or share the same sort of vulnerabilities. Mm. Um, so. So yeah, because ultimately, I think we all have our uh, insecurities. We all have we all have our own challenges, you know. Um, so I think it's great if you can bring those out and you know speak to someone else who can do the same. And I think that makes that you know interaction even even better. Um, it, it does, yeah. And I think I just wanted to kind of um, add something that you said in one of the Hamra Insight videos. Which is another great platform. Mukum's actually one of the one of the key kind of panel panelists there. But I think we were talking about like caste or gender or something, and you were like, "Oh, like you know, before there are caste or gender, like I see them as a human being." And like people were like, "Oh, you're the human guy, human bro." But then I was like, "Do you know what? He's got like that is so true." And I think with everything that's going on around in the world at the moment, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. and especially in our own country in Nepal, there's, lo- there's a lot of kind of misunderstandings because of your status in society. But I think b- before we go into all of that, which is all man-made anyway, um, mm-hmm. I think it's once again appreciating that other individual for being a human because it, it, it does sound so obvious and simple, but I think sometimes we forget how everyone's got feelings, everyone has insecurities, fear, and to really get to know someone, you need to put all of that aside. And I think going back to what you said around the best relationships and the best kind of conversations happen when you're both vulnerable and vulnerability, you think that it, it is a negative thing, but vulnerability actually takes a lot of courage. We are all human beings. Most of the most, most people that we talk to are human beings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think to suffer, I, it might sound cliche, but to suffer is, is to be human, right? Yeah it's something that is universal mm. in our species so so uh although it may not seem like that especially with like social media where you know people project their perfect uh, life best version yeah and mm. that can i guess become problematic but i think you have to acknowledge that it it, it doesn't necessarily is always the case for everybody you know um i don't think anyone any, anyone is perfect which is fine. Mm. Um, so trying to, yeah, get to that level with another being mm. and sharing your, you know, your shortcomings, I think it, it, it's great. Um, mm. Also going back to being human. Um, yeah, I, I did. I did. My name was briefly, you know, changed to the human bro. Everybody yeah, I loved it. Going, <laughs> Look on the human bro. <laughs> yeah. I love uh, it. It's something that has bothered me for a while that we do have problem of not being able to overcome our differences in how we look or you know um our caste in some cases um our gender etc. I think I think partly I do think it is natural in that um, the way that we evolved, we lived in small tribes, right? Mm. So we couldn't afford to trust people from other tribes. Um, Mm. And in order to belong to your own tribe, 
you had to imitate the ways of living to those uh, around you. So that's how you, that's how you formed culture, etc. Mm. Um, and because tribal wars, you know, they've existed since forever. Um, I guess we still have this hangover of dis- distrusting um, people who do not look like us or do not speak the same language, etc. Um, but I think we do have to take proactive steps in order to come out of that mindset. Mm-hmm. And it may, and it may be by looking, or, or say, if we separate ourselves into groups. Mm-hmm. Um, it may help to either take a broader look and say that we are all humans, or it might be to take a step below and say we're all individuals, right? I think depending on the situation, we should be, um, we should try to see each other either as part of the same uh, overarching species or, mm. or we're all individuals, right? Mm. Um, I think what you said around, you know, the reason that we like saying me versus you or, you know, I must stick to my own kind. It comes from a biological instinct as well, because if you're a part of a small group and someone new gets introduced, you don't know what kind of diseases they carry. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it does cause a threat to your species or your kind. And that's why in the animal behavior as well, that's what happens. And actually, we are all animals. That's how we came. And it served us good centuries ago. But then. The, the thinking is still there today right it's like me versus exactly. you we don't know we don't want to touch you because you're from a different race or a different that is so kind of sickening to think about um at this day and age but it's crazy how so prevalent it is and i think to your point how can we overcome that and and i really like what you said around you can either take level above and say we're all the same but also t- take the level below and appreciate each other for being individuals because we are individuals uh we all have you know unique experiences we all individual souls mm-hmm. it's whatever gives you comfort right you can look at it as a holistic view or you can look at it as a yeah we're all individual we're never going to be the same um whatever brings you comfort comfort and sanity right um even though it might sound a bit like um overwhelming or demotivating to think that who am i to make a change i think you can kind of flip it around and say actually it's in my hands to make that change right yeah that's absolutely true and i think also touching on your point about um the fear of unknown right mm. if you don't know that other person or that race you might you know you know think the worst thing possible mm. that mm. they could bring or they could inflict on you or your tribe so i guess because we we are moving into a more multicultural world i think mm. that also has something to do with with the way we are progressing forward because mm. at the end of the day it is about exposure right because um if you are exposed to to a lot of people that are that don't look different. like you mm. yeah that, are, that look different um that experience itself can correct your previous mindset of what they they might be like or your pre conceptions um in that sense optimistic uh and i think you are you are right in thinking that our generation especially or or every new new newer generation has a little bit more liberal views than their mm-hmm. predecessors mm-hmm. um especially in in terms of like human relations so i am 
optimistic, but mm. uh, let's see. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, we don't know if it's going to happen in our lifetime, but hopefully our <laughs> souls from heaven can see the changes that we've made, right? <laughs> Going back to the first question I asked, which is all around, you know, what drives you, what motivates you? We've gone through a bit of a journey around, you know, your initial kind of um, kind of viewpoint on that. And I think we, we, you know, delved into this whole idea around like you as an individual, as an introvert, you know, shifting that mindset, going outside. Your, your kind of your little bubble things that worked for you being aware of that feeling and also eventually going on to this angle around what it means to be human and and your human bro thoughts <laughs> from your point of view and I think eventually looking at the current situation so I think that's been like a really good kind of yeah. convo and, and exploration around you know some of the thoughts that happen in your mind and I think going on to my second question which is all around you and your travels and you know experiences that you've had like what you said in when you met in in hanoi which really made you realize the importance of connections right uh, which is something you realize when you traveled alone my second question to you mukum is actually understanding like has there been any kind of event or experience or uh, you know an encounter that has happened in your life that has really kind of shaped you to be who you are today um from from like from birth till now in a way right what's the first thing that comes in your mind uh, it's hard to pinpoint one it, it, it's very difficult to pinpoint to one event mm-hmm. um i do think i am a result of these tiny events or cumul- uh, like i'm a, an aggregate of all these tiny events that happened in in my lifetime right and mm-hmm. a lot of those events are, are actually not even down to me so for instance the fact that my dad um became or joined the Gorkha army um, and happened to be you know in in the era where they are finally granted the um, permission to, to yeah to move here and bring his family over I think that that's probably one of the actually that's probably one of the biggest events that comes to my mind mm. um, because my dad has uh, one sibling mm. right and he has like four four sons so mm. i have a lot of cousins first cousins mm. and they are they are in nepal right now mm. and just looking at how you know their living conditions are and comparing that to myself i feel for, very fortunate because i could have easily been one of them you know mm. like i could be in nepal right now and and almost struggling to get my day days by mm-hmm. um yet I'm, I'm not and i'm here which has nothing to do with me like it was that a lot of like chances mm. um and you know i think acknowledging that has kind of helped me feel less entitled about everything mm-hmm. um and just like appreciate what i have um i guess university is also another i think it for because we are still you know relatively young mm-hmm. i guess uh it's one that does tend to stick out mm-hmm. um because again i think it's not to say that you know it would it's not to say that uni was this thing that i'm i should have definitely done you know 
I could have well been someone even better if if I hadn't continued. I don't know that, but yeah, what I, I remember say, this conversation from the yeah. Hammer Inter episode, right? Exactly. I remember you yeah. raised this point. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but I think uni again, it was, it was, um, it was a it was a process that did teach me quite a lot because mm-hmm. that's the first time that I um moved out of my house and lived on my own. That's the mm-hmm. time when I kind of came out of my bubble um and kind of got your independence in a way right to learn about yourself exactly but also like in terms of like my friend circle you know because ever since i moved to um basingstoke i've always had the same friend circle mm. and those friends are actually um people that i know from nepalga mm. most of them actually they're all my neighbors in Tehran, where I where I was born. So I kind of always had the same bubble mm. of friends. Um, so I guess uni was the first time when uh, that I, you know, came out of that and actually made new friends, made new, um, yeah, new, made new, uh, met new people. Sorry. Mm. Um, and yeah, just learning to, you know, manage your finance finances. You know taking up secondary like part-time jobs mm. all those things i guess has shaped me into who i am as a person so mm. that's another i guess another event yeah that. yeah definitely i think you ra- you raised a really good point in the start right it's hard to pinpoint one exact experience because you are an aggregate of all your experiences i yeah. never looked at it in that way and it, it seems obvious but actually yeah like the things that happen in your life you'd think that it's not actually in your it, most things were probably weren't even in your control. Most no. things that happened was actually before we were born, right? And exactly. my dad was in the same position like you. Like I think a lot of British Gorkha Nep- Nep- Nepalese living here in the UK. Um, you know, we look at our cousins back in our hometown or our village, and you do compare their life to ours. And we could have easily been that, right? And I think to your point, it just makes you feel so lucky for where we are and the opportunities we've had. Um, and also gratefulness for it because if it wasn't for our dads that went into the army um, and you know we got the opportunity to be here we wouldn't be sitting here using our apple macbook pro speaking on the (laughs) phone about you know self-development and it's actually an interesting topic because i guess our parents and our you know relatives in nepal the last thing they'll be thinking about is self-development because they are thinking about how to get through their day right how to get the food on the table right what can I do to survive? But because we have the luxury of those things, right? Here in the UK, like we're so lucky to have, you know, running water and roof over our head. Um, and we're using these times to kind of develop ourselves and, you know, having this conversation, it's crazy to think the, the mm-hmm. lifestyle difference. And, and to your point, it just makes you feel so, so lucky. And obviously it's not about comparison, but it, it is about uh, looking at the, you know, the grand scheme of things and, what could have happened right yeah and i think that is very very important uh it, to be able to acknowledge that because i think that kind of cultivates your desire to help people who are in a less uh, fortunate condition mm. like situations because once you realize that a lot of your doings a lot of uh your uh makings are not actually to do with you mm. um it may be factors beyond your control um, and the environment. I think when you truly acknowledge that, it 
almost um, gives you a diff different perspectives when you look at people who haven't uh, or who aren't in a, in, in a position like yours, you know. Um, although, yeah, I'm not saying I'm like the, the most successful person, mm. but I, I don't have to worry about where my next meal is going to come from. And that itself is, it is a privilege. Mm. Um, but I guess because we are so, um, we, we are almost like conditioned to think along the lines of like this meritocracy, right? Where where you are is your own doing where if you if you're successful it, it was because of your own doing you know you deserve every success um you get but i guess the danger of that mindset is it on the flip side it says if you are poor then you deserve it like mm. you know and and that's in most cases not the whole truth because no. um, it it misses so so many things and even opportunity itself can compound on itself like it attracts um opportunity attracts opportunity almost mm -hmm. so so if you didn't have the same base level to begin with um you're it's almost impossible for you to you know um become very successful so so yeah i think just yeah acknowledging um your privileges i think it's quite important for me anyway i think that's where that's that's where i get this drive to like also um be more giving mm. um, yeah be more yeah. giving and, and helping out you know doing doing what i can to yeah make other people's lives a bit better i guess yeah definitely and i think it's a really interesting point that you raised around successful people think that it's up to your hand to be successful and obviously i guess most in most cases yes because it's your work ethic and your you know how you push yourself to get there but there are other factors that come into play and there's a great book by uh, malcolm gradwell called outliers i don't know if you've heard of that one um and it's all around they look at successful people and the scenarios that happen for them to be successful so even the month you were born right there was a yeah. study done where hockey players in i think canada most of them are born in january because january is the start of the year if you want to go to training you're one year ahead right so people think mm -hmm. that you've got more potential but because you've physically developed a year ahead they think you're doing better and then they, you get more attention and as a result when it comes to those big tournaments most people are born in january so it's like when you were born and there's another thing around uh, bill gates and how microsoft was made you think that he's a genius yes he's a genius right to create that empire but mm -hmm you know it just happened that where he was at a certain time that's when the you know tech industry was booming and then he just might happen to be at the right time at the right right place and i think if you look at our lives as well like we could be stuck in nepal with so much potential and um but i don't know if we would be who we are if that makes sense because once again like you said yeah. we are an aggregate of our experiences so we wouldn't be us we would be someone else but uh, uh, even like you, you mentioned work ethic, right? Mm. Um, but there is obviously going to be a difference. Even if there were two people who made who made the same amount of uh, put the same amount of hard work mm. in doing something, because of their like talents, the outcome may be different. Mm. Now that talent, how who can take credit for that? Like, can the person themselves truly take credit of that? Like 
I think there was there was this person, uh, John Rawls, when he, um, he was a political scientist or, you know, this author anyway, who said, um, he, he gave basically an analogy where, say you have some borders that you have to move from point A to point B, mm-hmm. and you have two person um, put to that task. And one is very muscular, very big, and uh, naturally. Mm. The other mm. one is smaller, uh, very lean, um, naturally Alexano. So the smaller guy puts more effort into moving those boulders from point A to point B, whereas the second guy, the yeah, the muscular guy, he doesn't have to put as much effort. But the outcome will be that the bigger guy manage to move more boulders from point A to point B, right? Mm. And society will say, oh, okay, because of his usefulness, he's worth more. Um, but so that, I guess, highlights that it's not even just about hard work. You know, mm. sometimes there will be like your genetics mm-hmm. um, or your, you know, what society values during that particular time. Mm. So like you said, time and place. Um, so all of those things, there are so many, so many factors that, that that you just can't like put, put it down on paper. Know, put it down to one person's own doing. Like you know, of course that doesn't mean we don't have a role, mm-hmm. right? We have to obviously, you know, we have to cultivate certain work ethics, put in certain amount of work, etc. That that's that's a given. But mm-hmm. I guess it it's kind of important to. Um, understand all of the other factors as well so that when you do come across someone who hasn't made it um, or you know who's still struggling at least you don't put all of that blame on on that person yeah that's that's interesting because you're right Uh, I have mentioned work ethic quite a lot but I think it's scenario based as well so the example that used of the big guy moving a boulder versus a small guy moving a boulder in that scenario their strength was what made the outcome right it was the strength that led to it that's very scenario based but if for example Mm -hmm. if you get the uh, big guy and the small guy to do an exam their strength Mm -hmm. isn't tested there right so it depends on what is being tested as well so in a scenario where they are uh, tested on their mathematical skills work ethic might come into play there because right like the, the smaller guy could be revising more and as a result do better right so i think to your yeah. point it is all scenario based um and it's acknowledging the factors that has led to that scenario so i think there's a term that says you know you can't judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree yeah. it's comparing apples and pears right so i think it is all scenario based isn't it but yeah. i really like the the what you said around acknowledging the factors because work ethic isn't the only reason there are a lot of factors that come into defining what success is for that individual by exactly and even on the on the uh example of um maths test Mm. i think the same principle can apply so for example if it does happen that you know the smaller guy has more uh of a natural ability for mathematics right his need to put or or um, the amount of hard work he will need to achieve certain you know score compared mm-hmm. to the other guy might be different you know mm. so obviously yes as you said it's very scenario based but I think the principle of like 
it's hard work is just one of the factors yeah I guess. Yeah. yeah definitely underlying, underlying point yeah i think that's what it is because you're right because there's genetics that come into play there's experiences that come into play and i think going back to what you said around you wouldn't be you if it wasn't for the aggregate of all the experiences you've had so far and how do you define the experiences it's by looking at what you choose to do on a daily basis the people that you surround yourself with the information that you consume and i think the key message here is yes there's genetics in play but also you i would say you are in control of your experiences because you have the decision to go out and travel you have the decision to um push yourself outside your comfort zone you have the decision to surround yourself with the right people that's a good segue into the second half of the podcast, which is all around the extraordinary dreams part, which is all around the future. And we touched on this before we recorded where we were catching up and we were talking about, you know, um, you know, what we, we were like talking about moving into cities and, and Muku mentioned, you know, the city that he wants to move into. But I guess like before we jump into all of that, I actually want to ask you this one question and then we can kind of go around it and, you know, see what we can come up with. But my question to you now, Mukum, is actually asking, you know, what do you want your legacy to be? <laughs> well, you, the questions um, are the questions are with hard. The deep questions man <laughs> uncovering <laughs> it uncovering it all <laughs> what is okay I, again I find that really difficult to answer because um, so when we're talking about legacy are we talking about what you want to be remembered as once once you've um once you're no longer here yeah or... yeah i guess that's the generic term of a legacy right like right. in terms of the impact you leave like what you want to be remembered for and i think the way i look at legacy is that everything that we do leads up to that um mm-hmm. because we are human beings we we, we we arrive in this beautiful world and we live our life and have our experiences and then we go right mm-hmm. we come into this world knowing fully well what the end is even when you are born the only thing that's guaranteed is death and I think we managed to tiptoe around that topic and people have this taboo thing that, you know, we don't want to talk about death, but in reality, that's where we're all going to end up. So I think the way I look at legacy is like working your way backwards. If you know what your legacy is, you can start defining what you want to do today and how to kind of get back towards that. And it's kind of like, I mean, death isn't the end goal, but death is the end destination, right? Exactly. So the way I look at legacy is like what, when you you know take your last breath like what do you want to be remembered for what would what will you want to say that you know i have done everything i've done to live my life to the fullest kind of thing right like, i mean how yeah. would you look at that topic like it, around legacy? Yeah, uh, it's very interesting that you said you would work your way backwards mm-hmm. for me it would be the other way around i think rather than to come up with a legacy that i want to be uh, i want to have and then trying to do things that that aligns to that legacy. For me, I think I would uh, want to look at what do I want to do in the here and now. Mm. Um, And then, you know, uh, once, you know, once uh, my time has, or or my time has come, people can then judge like what they think my legacy was. Um, So I can say, what I do care about when I am here uh, mm-hmm. in the here and now, which is, I guess, um, I want to basically, I feel like I'm going to paraphrase Susie here, but 
<laughs> no, to do whatever feels right. I think um, to to basically better the overall um, situation of humanity in general. I know it's very grand, which ultimately doesn't even mean much, but I, I do want to be a part of that. Even mm. if it's in a very small way, I do want to contribute in making um you know the life of our species and just all sentient beings in you know a bit better than than where i found um mm. so how does what does that mean in in day-to-day uh terms i guess i guess it would it could be things like volunteering mm-hmm. um ch- donating to charities you know helping whichever way you can um uh what else you know things like Actually, this is something that I have been thinking for a while. Uh, you know, building apps to to solve issues, um, or even even things like. So my dad is a writer, part-time writer, mm. and he has published a few dictionaries um, for Nepali, English, and Limbu. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I do want to do is. Like kind of digitize that, mm. um, make it into like a uh, an app maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so by doing that, obviously, I I would like to think that I'm trying to preserve uh, a, a part of culture and uh, a part mm. of identity. Yeah, I guess. So that's just an example, but um, just really contributing to to reducing the overall human suffering. <laughs> Mm. I don't know if that's even possible. Um, and then um, at the end, yeah, people can can basically judge for themselves what my legacy was, I mm. guess. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, firstly, thank you for actually challenging that question because I don't think anyone's kind of challenged me. Not challenged, but like actually asking, yeah. what, is, what do you mean by legacy? Because so often people kind of know it, but you right. actually made me think about it as well. It's like, okay, shit, like, I need to come up with an answer. <laughs> like, what, is, what do you mean by legacy? But I think what you said around being, it's hard to kind of know what you're going to be remembered for um, when all you have is the, the here and the now. And that mm-hmm. is very much linked to my book that I'm reading, which is all around the present moment and, and what you can do today because the, you don't have past or the future. Past and the future is always in your head and it's thoughts. <laughs> Because when the future comes, it's become it's it's going to become the present, right? It's it's mm-hmm. never, future never comes because when it comes, it's the present moment. So, and going back to the opportunities we've had and you know the the amount of things we can do, like what you said around digitizing, kind of like a piece of your culture and your and it, mm-hmm. in a way you're carrying on that legacy for your father because I'm sure your yeah. father would be very proud of that as well, right? So um, I have to be conscious that there will be things which are outside of my control, like all the, these events that, that are going around. Um, now I can uh, choose how I respond to them. Mm. And I'm really only ever control of my own emotions and not really the, the, the outside events that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that, I guess I'm trying to make the point that although I do have these visions, like I, I have to, um, you know, remember to manage my expectations. Like I'm not going to be able to do it outrightly. And you know, what, what are the steps? Mm. Um, second thing, yeah, like you said, I think 
being in the present moment, I think is so important because we do spend a lot of time thinking about what uh, we want to do, what we should have done or what mm. we shouldn't have done mm. that we don't really um, give or, or, or we spend very little time like thinking truly about, you know, the present moment mm. and, uh, and that has a lot of consequences because how we experience like moment to moment is all down to what we pay attention to, right? Mm. So if even if you're in the presence of your loved ones, for example, if your attention is at an event which has already occurred in the past, mm. you know, you're not really going to be happy about it. Like you're not going to truly appreciate the present moment. Yeah. Mm. So, so I guess uh, it's very important, like how, what we do with our attention, because otherwise we will just be squandering a lot, a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you said, even with the things that we do desire, um, they are just, why do we desire them? We desire them because we think that once we achieve them, it will make us happy in the now, in the present, right? Mm. Um, but if we are unable to be focused on the present, then what really, you know, what is the point? Like, I, yeah. think, I think that's uh, its own topic, even like separate from this whole thing about can desi- do desires even end right mm. like this whole hedonistic treadmill where you just once you achieve there's always something to, yeah, to achieve else, and look forward yeah. to right yeah you can you yeah you adjust to the new reality quite quickly and you want something more like so i guess knowing that kind of um helps you think about how you deal with it because i don't think we can truly stop it but I guess it's about how we deal with that. Mm. Uh, how we deal with it, yeah. I think that makes complete sense. And I think what you said around, to kind of summarise this question, we need to be reasonable with our expectations as well, right? What do we actually want out of our lives? And I think that links back to what you said around being aware of your emotions. Because it's like, if you know who you are and what you're aware of, like then you know how much to work towards, right? Yeah. But at the yeah. same time... I think like you will love the power of now because everything that you're saying is literally what the book says as well. And the whole book is like appreciating the current moment. And the thing is we as human beings are constantly, it's never enough. There's always something we need more. Right. I mean, if you want, if you've got a house, you want a bigger house. If you've got a car, you're going to, you want a bigger car. And our justification of happiness is defined by these materialistic things, but you know, the true contentment of, you know, our, um, inner being is actually being present and actually if you have connected to that source um, different religions call it different things um, but at the, at the core of it it's all about being connected to, to this eternal source that is where true contentment lies going back to the whole question around legacy you mm-hmm. said that you don't know exactly what that is today uh, but it is what can you do today in the here and now that will make you happy. And I'm, that's such a great way of looking at life. And I think for sure, like, I think if you are aware of that now, I, it's, if anything, it's only going to kind of help you in the future as well. Yeah. I mean, let's, I guess, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's great. And I think like my final question to you, Mukum, I know that we've been speaking for a while, but it's actually around, um, 
your recommendations, right? I know that you're a book reader. I can see a lot of books behind you and I know that you read a lot of books. <laughs> I don't know if that was strategic, but like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm <was> a reader. That's <laughs> why <laughs> I, I trying it like that. So, I'd you know, go. Done. <laughs> imposter syndrome, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it's right. I mean, it's, I think, again, it's like, I'm kind of like Susie in, in the sense that I don't enjoy reading all the books all the time. Mm. Um, I just like having read. Like, mm. it's like going to a gym. Oh, yeah, uh, I can relate. <laughs> no, I mean, because some people do enjoy the process of working out. But other people like me, I just want, like, the, the result, right? Mm. So, so I go to the gym not because I enjoy the process, but, but rather to uh, um, achieve my goal, let's say, to, to be in shape or to, to be fit. Mm-hmm. So that would be my main drive. So in, in the same sense, like most of the time reading is also like that for me, where rather than actually enjoying the book, it's it may be because I want to uh, garner the information in it. Now, some books will be more interesting than others. So it's not the case for all. It depends on the, the book itself as well. Yeah. Um, so... What, what, what do you actually like reading? Do you like reading fiction, non-fiction, novels? Like, what's your preference when you think of books? I think non-fiction. Um, but I do enjoy, like, some of the classics. So, kind of, you know, dystopian novels are well. Like, um, so, unless it's, like, a classic, I, I generally try to stay away from fiction. I don't know why. Again, I think it goes back to... Um, the whole the gym analogy right so i don't want to do it unless it's, it's going to add value into your life <laughs> yeah, it's adding a value to my life like yeah. i think there are much better ways to entertain myself right at this at this time like you know with uh with all the technology so same. Really i'm the same as you i don't like fiction books <laughs> yeah but yeah mostly non-fiction i would say uh, and also uh a lot of like dark Philosophical books are written one person like often shop an hour ago. I don't know why, but it's just like when you read those authors, it kind of like you get this sense that although they may have lived two, three, you know, a thousand years before you, mm-hmm. some of the things that they were experiencing are the same as what you're experiencing now. So it's like mm-hmm. you instantly form that connection or you guess the like connection with the author okay? yeah. and it's like you understand w- what you're feeling right now and so I think for me to to be able to experience that whilst I'm reading I think, I think that's great mm. um, I think one that really does stick out I know I've mentioned philosophical books but it, it's not this one is a bit more into science um, it's the selfish gene uh, Selfish Gene and the Extended Phenotype by Richard Dawkins. Oh, nice. Um, I haven't heard of that one. You haven't? Oh, it's so good. Is it I good? Think, yeah, I think it was published in, 80s, in the 80s. And I read it um, maybe in my final year uh, mm-hmm. at university. So it was a very long time ago. Mm. But I just remember like just being baffled. Um, he basically... Um, extends um, Bill Hamilton and Darwin co-evolution. He extends on it and he talks about how, you know, we have genes Mm -hmm. which are um, replicators basically and they hold these coded information Mm -hmm. um, and their ultimate goal 
is to survive survive and it, it might not be a conscious goal but it's what they do to survive you know to multiply mm. Yeah. Mm. so they do that by uh, manipulating the bodies that they reside under so mm -hmm. for example we organisms just like human beings they're within us and they are responsible for how we behave our you know desires our um personalities um etc so so that do our best to i guess um reproduce and basically carry on those genes goal mm. right? and mm. so in effect that just renders us as the survival machines so mm. through the point of it i was like it was quite impactful because i felt it made me feel wonderfully insignificant yeah um yeah because oftentimes we focus so much uh on ourselves mm. so i guess understanding like that we're only like a part of the um, bigger, bigger puzzle kind bigger of picture right so we're just this throwaway survival machines yeah it's like a factory machine isn't it it's like a factory belt <laughs> exactly so i know it may sound like very pessimistic but but it was quite um um give one so uh your toxic like self importance uh narcissism or bottom skin so like it it really helped me and mm. and but also like from biology point of view it's it's a very very good read um mm. it, it it tells you like it explains the whole uh kin relationship or you know why mothers feel affectionately towards their offsprings are reliable mm. why mm. we as humans behave the way we do mm. um, i love i love the sound of that i feel like i'm gonna love that book yeah <laughs> it's really really. yeah exactly it's it's a really good book yeah um, can i also mention another one go on okay. then <laughs> yeah sorry because i think this one this one will i think align more to the theme of your like whole podcast okay. yeah. yeah um and and it is another book that i did really love uh it's called man in search for meaning i don't know if you read it already man in search for meaning by yeah. victor frankl and yeah. basically he was um he was someone he was a jew in the and he was uh put into the concentration camps oh, God, yeah. and yeah. he basically talks about how uh his experience was in the in the camp but also how um if you have so his main message is is this if you have a why to live mm -hmm. if you have a why sorry if you have a why you can bear almost any how and i think it actually comes from frederick nietzsche but basically if you have a purpose like if you can uh derive a meaning to your in your life then you can overcome almost any mm. uh, atrocity or yeah like oh, i love if, that That, yeah. that is so like everything i live for you know exactly. <laughs> it's like if you've yeah. got a purpose you've got that legacy it's like you can do anything right the why right why why do you live yeah exactly um so it's a very short book and i think you'll really love that yeah i think your listeners will also really love that and it is quite uh quite a optimistic like positive book and mm. it like injects you with this new energy to do mm. you know things and achieve goals achieve your goals yeah, mm. yeah it's a it's a very good read okay. um i mean like yeah it seems like your your picks are very like 
non-fiction but also like yeah. like I think this links back to your curiosity side of, side of things right which is what you said yeah. around you know why we are the way we are and the science and what makes us who we are and kind of being realistic with who we are as human beings and you know what our part is in this grand scheme of things um but also yeah. the man is such a meaning sounds like right up my street as well and yeah absolutely and to kind of live your life to the fullest kind of thing so no thank you so much for those recommendations and yeah i think that brings us to the end of the podcast i mean we have spoken for a while yeah we have i didn't realize that as well but i think going back to yeah the beginning of the podcast which is all around your key drivers you mentioned that you're driven by curiosity and you like problem solving and then we started to delve a bit deeper into your you know the, the introverted side and you trying to be aware of your emotions and your feelings to then kind of adapt your situation adapt yourself according to who you're with but i think the underlying message there was driven by empathy and and kind of wanting to give back and i think your experience as well that you shared around your family um and and you why do you do what you do and kind of being appreciative of the opportunities we've been given right i think that gave a great summary into that experience that has shaped you and you know we had a lot of details but i think finally kind of rounding it off with your legacy side of things is like you said it's not like one key thing but it's like what can you do today in the here and the now and i think that's such a powerful kind of spiritual practice and you know people are always like be in the now and be present but no honestly like if you do that the benefits are immense and 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 like you said i really like your way of looking at kind of future and the goals is like yes it's good to have that but focus on what you can do at this very moment and and your your kind of desire to kind of digitize that app as well that of your father to kind of give back to your your country but also to your 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 tribe right um and then finally ending off with the recommendations i think it's been such a kind of good chat exploring kind of deeper things and this conversation has really helped me think about my own life and um start to question things which i hadn't before so like you know the aggregate of our experiences kind of thing and the factors that come into play to look at success and i think i i thought i had a certain view of the thing that's spoken so far but i always love having these kind of conversations where we go a bit deeper and actually question and kind of leave none of the pebbles unturned like i loved our conversation and hopefully that was a good summary but also hopefully you enjoyed that experience as well and also want to say a huge thank you once again for coming on being vulnerable sharing your story and i'm sure that your story is going to definitely help someone out there and i'm just really excited to see what you'll achieve in the future because i know it'll be kind of nothing but great things so thank you <laughs> uh, thank you thank you very much i think that summary was uh really perfect uh, i think you did a you know better job at summarizing my own thoughts than i did <laughs> hey i maybe i know you better than you know yourself <laughs> yeah yeah it was really interesting i loved our conversation and mm. hopefully you know this is first of many you know hopefully we can do this offline as well um yeah and with with the uh the journey and hopefully you know this will turn out to be like this this next big thing i i hope it will anyway um and yeah i look forward to having another conversation yeah thank definitely <laughs> thank you yeah. and yeah, look out for the episode bye 
thank you guys once again for listening to another episode of the podcast hope you guys found it as enjoyable as i did recording it and if you want to share some feedback or show some support feel free to follow me on at self sundays with a double s on instagram and i look forward to catching you same time next week thank you